Good morning, welcome to Vertical Church. We're so glad you've joined us this morning as we continue our series on I Know a Ghost. We know it's gonna be a powerful morning. We're excited you've joined us. People like to talk about who they know. Some say they know a celebrity. Some say they know a professional athlete. I guess they think that who they know makes them someone. I don't really know any celebrities. I don't really know anyone that's wealthy. My story's a little different. But it is the truth. Who you know does make you someone. You see, I know a ghost. Ready today? Amen. I'm ready today. Amen. Whew. You know, it's crazy the, uh, the stories that people have heard and accumulated over the years about ghosts. Let me just preface up front. There is no such thing as ghosts. You might have creepy things happen in your house. I promise you this. It is not a ghost. There is no such thing as disembodied spirits of people roaming the earth. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what you have experienced. There is no indication in the scriptures, which is our foundation for life, that there are any such thing as ghosts. There is one and only one ghost, and he is the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's true. It's true. So... When I think back on stories I've heard about ghosts, they usually involve a cemetery at some point, of course, because that's where you think if there were such a thing as ghosts, the stories go, that's where they would hang out. And so I didn't know my kids were doing this for quite some time, but my parents used to live over on Westmoreland and we would go visit them and then drive home at night by the back road back here. I discovered after a time that when we would pass by the Ovilla Cemetery over here by the Methodist Church, that they were holding their breath the entire time that we passed by that cemetery. Because someone had told them that if you don't hold your breath, when you go by a cemetery, you might breathe in someone's ghost. You hadn't heard that before, have you? That's why people do that. It's crazy stuff. There's also some other crazy stories that if you're passing by a cemetery, that you should tuck your thumbs inside your hand like this because it will protect your parents from ghosts. That's ridiculous. That's silly. I've also heard that if you go to a cemetery, you should get some black dirt off of one of the graves and bring it back to your house and put it under your steps so you walk over them because it will protect your house from ghosts. That's absurd. It's ridiculous to begin with. And I will say again, there are no such thing as ghosts. I don't care what things have moved in your house overnight. It must be your cat. It might be your dog. 
It might be your own forgetfulness. It might be that you're sleepwalking. It might be a million other things, but it's not a ghost. There are no such things. There is one ghost, and he is part of what the Bible calls God. God in three. The Father who is fixed in eternity, who reigns from a throne, who has always been and always will be, who has no limitation and no boundaries. He is the immovable, immortal, eternal, wise God. He also has a son who is part of God. He is God in flesh form who has come here on earth to show us what God is like. He didn't come here so he could figure out what life was like for us. He knew it. He created it. He came here so that we would know that he knows already. He came here and lived life sinless. He came here and became the sacrifice for our sins. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was crucified. He did die. He was placed in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, he rose again victorious over death and lives forevermore conquering and reigning with the Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. But that's not all there is to this God. There is also a third part. He is the ghost of God, the spirit of God, the essence of God, the very breath, the very central part of who our God is. And when that God who reigns in eternity chooses to move upon what is in the temporal, he sends his ghost to do the work. When Jesus returned back to heaven, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, the scripture says that in that moment, he sent the ghost to dwell here. The book of Acts records the moment that that occurred. And so that any person who would come to believe in this gospel, so that any person who would come to accept this grace by faith alone would then receive and be filled with that ghost, you and I would become something that had not existed prior to the book of Acts. We become the temple of the ghost. You can read throughout scripture about people who had moments where the ghost came upon them. You can read about times where kings and priests had the presence of the ghost near them, with them, even on them for a time, but never, not from Adam until the book of Acts, had there been a time where men and women, sinners who placed their faith in this God, would receive the ghost. But we have. Now, sadly, it's been one of those um, truths that has not been taught on much in our day. It's one of those mysteries. It's a mystery to begin with, but in our day, there seems to be a great lack of teaching about what it means 
to know this ghost, to walk in the fullness of him. And so that is part of the reason we have embarked upon a journey that we began last week of what it means to be a people who say, I don't only know about a ghost, but I have had an experience with, and I walk in close fellowship with this ghost. You see, I know a ghost. I really do. So we continue our journey today. And today, we unpack a little bit of a truth that we brought out last week. And it is this, that there is a great difference between having information about a subject and having an experience in a subject. Those are very different things. You can know about and you can experience it and know. Someone could tell me that a roller coaster is 2,800 feet long in its length of a ride. Someone could tell me that that roller coaster reaches a peak of 400 feet. Someone could tell me that that roller coaster reaches a speed of 120 miles an hour at some point during the ride. And someone could say that that roller coaster has a 90 degree inversion at one point. That is information. Those are facts. I can tell you about that. And you could say, oh yes, I know a roller coaster. But I'll tell you this, you can know those facts, but you don't know anything until you have ridden that roller coaster. And I'll just say up front, I ain't riding it. I'm fine with the facts. I don't want to experience that. The people in my family, they do. And so they can say, I know a roller coaster. And I can say, I'm glad you do. And that's about the end of that. There is a vast difference between having information about and having an experience with. Sadly, many people walk about today saying they are followers of Jesus Christ who know that there is a ghost and they have more to say about what they know about a ghost than actually knowing the ghost. They have more information about faith than they have experience in faith. Today we're going to meet a man in scripture who had information that was awesome and overwhelming. But there came a point where God did something fresh for him and information became experienced and it completely transformed this man. If you've got your Bibles today, turn to Ezekiel 37, the Old Testament. Ezekiel 37, if you're following along in a Bible app on your phone, iPad, cellular device, uh, Ezekiel starts with an E. So you'll find that. 37 is where we begin today. Let me get a little bit of background, kind of set the story. Ezekiel is a man who's a priest. He serves in ministry. He's familiar with the law of God. He's familiar with the sacrifices of God. He stands in the place to represent God to the people and the people to God. But Ezekiel lives in a very dark time. He lives in a time where his people, God's people, have turned their backs on him. They have done so for some time. They had let information and routine and religious observance be enough for them without the reality of the experience. In other words, they played the game for a long time. 
They did their Sunday thing, if you will. They did their religious thing, but religion didn't meet life. That was all something they did separate from their life. They didn't let faith enter into the daily routine of life. They didn't let faith penetrate past their head to their heart. It hadn't changed them, and that went on and on until God finally brought some trouble into their life so that he could rescue them again. And God allowed his people to be taken captive. He allowed another nation to come in and take them away. They lost their homeland. They lost the place that was the temple. And they became slaves somewhere else, far away. Five years have passed, and as you can imagine, it's horribly sad. Memories of what used to be a life of slavery, a life without knowing the peace and presence of God. In the midst of all of this, Ezekiel sits down by a river one day, five years in to dark, dry, difficult days when it just seemed like, God, where are you? What is happening? Will you ever redeem us again? Will we ever be taken back? Will there ever be a new day? When Ezekiel 37 begins, we find something that God does, something unique, because God had been speaking to Ezekiel all the way from 1 to Ezekiel 36. A lot had been happening. God showed up on that riverbank that day and showed Ezekiel some things that he had never, ever seen before. Glorious, astounding images of God himself. Pictures that told Ezekiel, there's going to come a day. There'll be a day you'll be rescued. There'll be a day you'll be set free. There'll be a day a new king will come. There'll be a day that a new heart will return to the people of God and they'll return to their land. There'll be a new day. There'll be a new day, Ezekiel. There's a new day coming. And it was all amazing information. It was a lot of beautiful information. It was from the mouth of God to the ear of the man of God. He heard it and he said, God, that's Awesome. But they were just words to him at that point. They were facts. They were truth. And God sets about in Ezekiel 37 to give Ezekiel an experience. And it changes the story. It changes the game. Ezekiel 37 is where we start today. Woo. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Ghost. In the ghost. In the essence. In the passion. In this mysterious part of the Godhead. He brought him out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. 
God does something for Ezekiel here. He's going to show him something. But more than just show him, Ezekiel's going to experience it. It's going to become a full-fledged experience for Ezekiel. And where God starts is a very odd place. He starts in a valley, and he starts with this valley full of bones. It's a cemetery. It's where there's been great death. But this cemetery is not like cemeteries you and I know. They're not manicured. There are not headstones. There are not names and dates. Instead, in this vast valley are bones. It's been a place of death and destruction. It's a place where there's been great tragedy. It's a scene of a, a battle, a vast battle. And one army has lost. And time has passed, and this army are the people of God. And here they lie scattered in this valley. Their future, their hopes, their dreams, their protection, their honor, their strength, their purpose, all dead here. It's a picture of this nation. It's a picture God wants Ezekiel to see. It's a sad place. God's trying to get Ezekiel to see these bones because what he is seeing is the heart of the people who are still alive. He's showing them what they look like inwardly. He's showing them that even though the people are alive physically, they are dead inwardly. And like a vast valley of bones is where their heart is. And so this is where he begins. The ghost goes to a cemetery. You know, our ghost likes to go to cemeteries. The ghost of God. Not because he's fascinated with death, but because he's fascinated with life. And he has the power to resurrect whatever has died. He has the power to breathe hope into whatever has lost its life, its breath. Verse 2, then he caused me, this ghost, he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, in other words, look, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. I don't know how many bodies were represented there that day. If we were to just start at a number of 25,000, let's just say this vast army had at minimal number, some 25,000. At 206 bones in the human body, that gets you a number of some 5 million plus bones in this valley. That's if there were only 25,000 bodies represented. And so Ezekiel is led about by this ghost, and they are moving in and around all that has lost breath, all that have lost life. It is a tragic, sad, desperate valley. Very many 
You just think about the eeriness of what that would be like. A valley. It's hot. It's dry. There are bones. Five million plus. It's barren. It's silent. There's no sound, no movement. Where there should be life, there is only barrenness and death. Have you ever been in a dry valley before? I don't mean physically. I mean in your heart and in your mind. Have you ever been to a place where it just seemed like it was so silent? It was so dry. Where there should be life and vitality and strength and joy and peace, there's just nothing. And it's empty. And you feel so dry and barren. And you try to find things to supplement it. You try to take up your time with other activities. You try to find other substances to fill the void. You turn to all kind of things for physical, mental pleasure. You turn to lust and pornography and you turn to alcohol and you turn to drugs and you turn to food and you turn to just busying yourself. But inside it is barren and dry and empty and you know in spite of all the activity, in spite of all that seems to be happening outwardly, there is absolutely nothing going on inside. You are a valley of dry, barren death. Can anybody relate to a time like that in your life? Amen. Amen. This is where the ghost takes Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I want you to see. I want you to pass by them all. I want you to see what ought to have been. I want you to see what has been lost. I want you to see the reality of the valley. Bones that ought to be together disconnected bones that ought to be living dead bones that ought to be connected and alive dry and it's in a low spot a valley verse 3 and he said to me son of man can these bones live interesting question from God who knows all things But God asked a man. God asked Ezekiel. Ezekiel, you see it all. You see the situation. Disconnected bones. Dry bones. Lifeless. Barren. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? Ezekiel's walked with God enough to answer wisely. (laughs) Oh, Lord God, you know. In other words, I don't have a clue. But if anybody does, you do. Smart, Ezekiel. You're a man who has walked with God. You know the right answer. The question is, why? Why would God ask Ezekiel? Did God not know? He knew. Did Ezekiel know? Apparently he did know. 
But there are times that you will come upon a dry spot in your life. There are times you will come upon a, 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 a valley where there's been death and dryness. And you will have to come to the place of you understanding first. God, unless you move, I am clueless how to get out of this situation. But it is fascinating how you and I will wrestle to try not to get to that place. Nobody likes to get to the place where you have absolutely no control, no idea of what's going to happen next, and you are fully dependent upon God to have to work. Because, boy, we are some stubborn people. We want to hold on. We want to try it. We want to work it. We want to try something we saw on Dr. Phil. We want to research it on Google a few more times. We want to give it a few more shots ourselves. We are stubborn. We are prideful. We want to do it ourselves. And we resist getting to the place where we say, I can't do it. But if you don't get to the place where you recognize how dead it is, you'll never see a resurrection. And so God has Ezekiel Say what's true. God, only you. I can't. I'm done. I can't. If you want to see a resurrection, you want to see life, you want to see a ghost, you got to start with realizing how dead your situation is. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 4. Again, he said to me, in other words, the ghost speaks to him, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Ezekiel probably felt like the most awkward, confused man to have ever lived. God, you want me, who is living, to speak to some things that are dead. You want me to talk to some bones. God, you know they don't have ears, right? I mean, there's a, there's a few things that look like they came from around the ear over there, but you want me just to talk to bones? They're dead. They can't hear. And God says, you do what I say. I've got something bigger here in mind. Prophesy to bones. Preach to bones. And what you preach is this. Tell them, bones, hear what God has to say. I am going to breathe life into you and you shall live. Sounds pretty absurd. Preach to bones and tell them God's going to resurrect them and cause them to come together and to live again. That's it, Ezekiel. You got it. And while you and I might look at this and think, that seems absolutely ridiculous, there is a powerful truth here. If you want to see resurrection in your life, if you want to see God breathe new hope into your life, if you want to see the breath of God bring about a new thing in God, then you have to learn how to speak life to what's dead. You have to learn how to speak hope to what's dead. 
Ezekiel was not told to say to the bones, shame on you, you bones. You'll never be anything. You're worthless, you bones. God didn't tell him to be frustrated with the bones. He didn't tell him to criticize the bones. You're so dry, you'll never be anything. He didn't tell him to complain to the bones. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to preach to the bones. And I want you to speak life to them. I want you to speak hope to them. I want you to take what's dead and speak the life of God to them and say, God's going to resurrect you. God's going to do something fresh in you. You're going to be something you hadn't even ever been before. He's going to do something so great that nobody would ever believe it. And when he's done, woo, he's going to get the glory for it. No bone is going to say, look what I did. He tells him to speak to the bones. Speak life to the bones. Speak life to what's empty, barren, and dry. Sometimes life gets like that. Sometimes there are places in our life that get empty, barren, and dry. Where there's been some pain, and there's been some casualties, and there's been some death. It can happen in your own heart and mind because of some things that happened to you. It can happen in a relationship that you've got where there's all of a sudden been a disconnect, where there's been some separation, where there's been some pain, and now the bones no longer are near each other. They're separated. What held them together is no longer there. You have places like that in your life that may be your finances, it may be your job, it may be your future, it might be your own emotional state, your own mind, it might be some situations, some relationships, it might be some air in your life, and it seems to you as that it is dead, that it could never live again, that it is lifeless, and you don't know what to say about it, you just keep staring at the lifelessness of it, and God is saying something new to you even today. If you want to see what's dead live, then you're going to have to learn to speak life to it. You're going to have to learn to speak the promises of God to it and stop preaching the condemnation about it. You're going to have to tell yourself some different things in your own mind about it. Ezekiel, I don't want you to say these things and not believe these things. Ezekiel, you have to believe that God can resurrect whatever has been dried up and barren and dead, and you're going to say that to these bones. So in whatever area in your life today that you think, I just, uh, you know, I've got some areas like that. I've got some areas that are dry. They're lifeless right now. <clears throat> it feels like a barren desert. I haven't drank from that area in a long time in my life. I mean, drink from the joy and the peace and the hope in that area of my life. In fact, I don't even like to go into that part of my life. I shut it off. I close it off like a, like a back bedroom with a bunch of junk in it. I don't even want to see it and be around it. I cut myself off from it, and you think, I just don't think it could ever happen again. You might say, my marriage is like that. It's just a dry, barren, woo, valley right now. You might say a relationship you've got like that with your kids is where you are. You might say some situation at work is like that. Your finances are like that. Your future is like that. And you say, it's just all lifeless and dry right now. And God is saying, you want to see something fresh happen, you're going to have to learn to say something different about what's dead. You're going to have to learn to speak hope and truth and life to it. 
you're going to have to stop looking at from your own logic and point of view. Because as we understand it, bones don't come back together. Bones don't assemble themselves. Bones don't grow flesh again. Bones don't make a body again. Bones don't come back to life again. But when God says, preach to the bones, he will finish what he has begun. And so whatever area is in your life right now that you have been preaching condemnation to and death to, God is saying, watch out. I'm going to show you what to do if you want to see life return to what has died. Are you with me this morning? I hope you're thinking of some real places in your mind right now. Some places in your life where you have seen and are experiencing extreme dryness, barrenness, and death. Don't worry about who's next to you. This is you. The ghost took Ezekiel to a valley of bones, and he's taking you and I right now to our valley of bones. Hello? It's happening right now. This is up-to-date spirit update brought to you right now. That's what's happening. Verse 6. Ezekiel, here's what I'm going to do. I will put sinews, in other words, the connective tissues on you, bones. This is what God told Ezekiel to say to the bones. And I'm going to bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live. And then, when it's all said and done, you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel, tell them this. Tell them that I'm going to cause bones to start moving on the desert floor. You tell them that these bones are going to start coming together where they haven't come together before. Something painful happened that brought separation of the bones. Something painful happened that caused them to not be together anymore. Are you making some applications in your mind right now? Because I am. Something's going to cause what has been separated to come back together. God's going to cause what has been disjointed and disconnected to come back together so that they find a need for one another. So that they find hope in what God is doing. And they're actually going to connect. God will cause sinews, the connective tissue, to all of a sudden grow where it has not been before. Where there had not been connection, there's about to be connection. Relationship between the bones is about to happen. I just got to say it. You might have some people, relationships in your life right now that are broken and separated and disjointed and disconnected. You may thought they are dead, could never be brought back together again. Watch out because God wants to do something fresh. And he wants to speak life. And he wants to bring what has been disconnected back together again so that it might be something that hadn't even ever been connected and used by God. I just had to say that. God says, I'm going to bring these together. I'm going to connect them. I'm going to unite them. I'm going to cause them to feel again. I'm going to cause them to have skin. They're going to come together and be covered. And, and they're going to do what they had not been able to do. Oh, and Ezekiel, when it's all finished, these bones are going to cry out in a massive cry of worship. You alone are worthy because you alone have done this. Verse 7. 
Ezekiel takes up the challenge. So, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, while I was speaking, while truth from God was coming out and the ghost of God was there, he said, there started to be a noise. I heard something happening. I heard a sound that I hadn't heard because this valley was still and silent. But I started hearing something. And he calls it suddenly a rattling. Five million plus bones start rattling. They start making this little sound. And if you were there, you'd have had shivers up and down your spine like I am right now. To look, you hear it and you see it. This isn't 102 bones, this is 5 million plus bones. And they are starting to rattle. They're not just shaking on the ground, they are rattling and actually moving toward one another. They are about to join up, and they do. It says they come together bone to bone. And they come together exactly in the place they were meant to. God knows how to connect the foot bone to the ankle bone. Ankle bone to the leg bone. Leg bone to the knee bone. Knee bone to the thigh bone. He knows how to do all of that. And that starts happening right now. And I don't know if there's any angels that are playing some music in the background, but man, I could sure see it happening. And Ezekiel's watching all of this and just in awe. Stuff that had been dead starts to come to life because Ezekiel preached what God told him to preach. It's an overwhelming sight. But that's not all the story. Verse 8. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews, the connective tissue, and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. I mean, this is creepy already. It looked like the largest Halloween party you could have ever imagined, all, you know, 25,000 plus bones all coming together and they're rattling and they're shaking and they're moving around and all of a sudden Ezekiel's looking and all of a sudden things start showing up on the bones. Connective tissue just starts growing out of nowhere that hadn't been there before. It just starts coming together and they connect and all of a sudden they're held together in the exact place they're supposed to be and skin starts covering them and it's like, this is creepy. They're watching stuff. This is death in reverse happening. I mean, it's going from death to life, and they all come together back into the body form that they had originally. Whoo, they've all been made new. And they are there. And they're present in the right form, in order. They are there, put together by God. But Ezekiel says, it's still creepy. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like zombie land because there are all these bodies, but there's something missing. There's no breath in them. They have all the look of being alive. They're going through the motions of being alive, 
but there's something missing. They've got all the right look. They put themselves, or God put them together. They've got the right form, the right look, the right placement. They're all ready, but there's something missing. Their breath is not there. The life that is meant to drive them is not there. Did you know you can have all the right look in your life? You can go through all the right church motions in your life? You can have the look of a Christian? You can go through all of the routine and not have the breath, not have the force, the power, the life, the passion that you were meant to have, that new heart that beats within you. I'm not talking about a physical heart. I'm talking about a spiritual heart that is alive to God, that has a new passion, a new desire, that no longer beats for what it used to beat for, that says, I'm not interested in what I used to do. I did those things when I was dead. I don't need those things anymore because I've been made alive. I have a new aliveness to God. I've got a new peace with God. I've got a new passion for God. I've got a new separation point in my life. I don't do what I used to do. I do what I do now because God has put in me a new heart. And these folks however large this group was, they don't have it. All the right form, missing the breath. But God is not finished with Ezekiel. Verse 9. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath the spirit, the ghost. Ezekiel, this is a separate event. They have been resurrected. They have been put back together. They have a form of life. But Ezekiel, there's one more thing you're going to have to do. They're going to have to be filled with the breath. If they're not filled with the breath, they can't move in the new life. They'll keep looking like they're right, but they'll still be dead. So Ezekiel, you're going to have to call the breath. You're going to have to preach for the breath. You're going to have to preach for the ghost to come. Thus says the Lord God. Ezekiel does it. Here's what he's supposed to say, and here's what he ends up saying. Come from the four winds. That is a phrase for come from that which is beyond. Come from heaven, come from beyond. O oh, breath, O oh, life, O oh, ghost, and breathe on these slain that they may live. If they don't get the ghost in them, they won't live. They go through the motions. They look right, but that's all they got. They're missing the life. And Ezekiel, you've got to preach to them and to him for him to come to them so that they can be alive. 
You can go through a, a set of religious exercises in Christianity. You can go to church. You can pick up a Bible. You can read it. You can pray. You can get involved in serving. But if you don't have an experience with the Holy Ghost of God in you, you are not much more than a dead soldier standing in the field naked as he was that day. You're lifeless. Oh, you're walking about going through the motions, but inside is a zombie, a barren, dead zombie, lifeless. You try to drum up life for God. You try to drum up some spirituality. You try to drum up some kind of hope. And God says, it has to only come from the ghost. So he says, prophesy. Say to them, the ghost is coming. The ghost is going to give you life. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to have to know that when the ghost comes, he's going to change you. When the ghost comes, he's going to fill you. When the ghost comes, he's going to restore you. When the ghost comes, you're going to have life. And Ezekiel, I don't want you to look at their death when you're saying this. I want you to listen to me who's told you to speak life to them, preach ghosts to them. There's a relationship here of ghost to man that they need desperately. And Ezekiel does it. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have that as kind of your story? God told me to do something whack, and I did it. That'd be awesome. Not, God told me to do something simple, and I thought about it, but I didn't do it. God told me to do something special, and I, I, I Googled about it, and I decided, I sure ain't doing that, which that's what Google will lead you to do. Uh-oh. Yeah, don't go to Google if you've got health symptoms you're curious about. <laughs> Don't go to Google if you've got spiritual symptoms you're curious about. Amen. It's time to go to God, the only one who can fill you with life. He's the one who is the ghost who can fill you and give you what you need. Ezekiel, you speak ghost to these people. You speak life to them. You tell them you have a form of life, but the very essence, the very holy, righteous, glorious, powerful heart of God wants to come and breathe into your life and make you something you haven't ever been before, alive to him. Mm. Whew. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. It happened. And they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Woo. You know what an army does? An army walks in step. An army walks together. An army protects the weak. An army defends the kingdom. An army that listens to its commander and does exactly what it's told. An army is filled with purpose. An army is filled with life. And that's what these zombies became, a massive, living, breathing army. Woo. In our day, 
We live at a time where Jesus has come already. He has made a way for life to occur for all who would come to him and accept his grace by faith and believe in forgiveness and believe in hope and believe that he makes peace. But what he calls us to is something far greater than just some information. He hasn't called us to religious experiences where we nod our heads in agreement at great doctrines of faith. He doesn't call us to sit as spectators. He doesn't call us to just be zombies. He hasn't called us to live one way on Sunday and different on Monday. He's called us to be a vibrant, powerful, alive, living, breathing, peace-filled, glory-shouting army who follows and walks at his command. You get there when the ghost enters in. When what is information to you becomes an experience. Now let me take us down a path of making some application today. Powerful Bible passage for us. God wants to breathe life into your valley today. Whatever that valley is in your life. How does all of this happen? If you're taking notes, these won't be on screen, but I encourage you to write them down. Number one, let him take you to your valley of dryness. The ghost took Ezekiel, and he wants to take you and to show you just how dry it is. Stop denying it. Stop trying to fix it. Stop ignoring it. Let the ghost take you there. And when he asks you, can this live again? Don't say, I'm working on it. Stop saying, I'm trying. Stop saying, if I just had a little bit more rest, I might could do it. Stop. Say what Ezekiel said. Only you know, God, I can't. And when he tells you to speak life to what's dead, do it. Start speaking life to your soul. You have been rescued and redeemed by the Savior. You have been chosen by the God of the universe. You have been filled with the very ghost of God. Do not ignore, deny, or put off what he says to you. Speak hope to your future. Speak hope and life to your marriage. Stop complaining. Stop criticizing. Stop being angry all the time. Stop looking for life in other places. Stop going to the bottle. Stop going to the drugstore. Stop going to all those places and get to where life comes from, the ghost himself. When he says speak life, you do it. There's no grave that can stop you. You've been commended by the holy God. There's no power that's greater because power comes from him. When he says speak life, do it. And you might say, hey, that all sounds powerful. That all sounds great. You'll think to yourself, those words are amazing. If only they were true. Know this. When you've taken the first step, you're not finished. There's another step.
where God will say, now, now, call for the ghost to enter in. Now, call for new life to enter in. Now, call for breath to enter into your marriage, your finances, your future, your hope, your soul, your weaknesses, your fears, your doubts, your anger, your resentment, your bitterness, all that's dry and barren and dead to you. It's time to call for life into those places. It's time to call for the ghost to enter into those places. It's time to call for something new to come into those places because you can't keep living in the barren desert anymore. You've had enough. It's too dead. It's too dry. It's just bones there. It's time time for life to come back together. It's time to take what's been separated and disjointed and disconnected and reassemble it all in the power of the ghost that he comes in and fills and gives you a new heart. But here's the deal. That means this has to become an intentional, intensive, personal experience for you. You have to believe this. You have to receive this. Ezekiel did what God commanded, and he believed the ghost would come. So if you've got areas in your life that are filled with dryness and bitterness and anger and resentment, lack of self-control and all this stuff that's going on, you invite the ghost to come into that area and breathe on you. Breathe into them. And no one can breathe in unless they get really, really close. When God breathed into Adam the breath of life, I'm convinced he didn't do it from a distance. I'm convinced he got up real close. I'm coming, Jerry. (laughs) He got up real close. And this is not meant to be weird. But he got close enough to hold him. He got close enough to breathe on him and that's when life entered into him if you don't let him get close he can't breathe life into you you've got to let him walk where you're dry you've got to receive him in and I'm going to tell you this when forgiveness enters in like a breath into your dry soul it'll move you it'll change you doesn't mean it's always going to be accompanied by tears, but it is meant to move you. It saddens me for the number of people who refuse to let emotion enter into their worship of God. Who say, no, 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 I can't do that stuff. Or, I can't do that stuff. Whatever it is. I don't want to just, you know, talk to the men here. You were meant to be filled moved upon, poured out on, and that's meant to move you. It's meant to cause an experience. It's meant to take information and cause it to come alive in an experience. And if you're not moved to the point that life is not flowing out of you, then you hadn't had the experience. You can, you can debate with me after the service if you want. You come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. Jesus said, he who believes in me shall from his inner being flow rivers of living water. And John goes on to say, and he was talking about the Spirit. (laughs) It's true. The Holy Spirit, the ghost, has come to completely transform us, remake us, make us new. 
So today, as we finish our time together, we're about to have the band come up and we're going to sing a song together. It's going to be your time to respond to God and say, God, I got barren. I got barren spots in my life. And I, I know they can't live unless you breathe on them. And then allow him to breathe on you. Allow him to breathe peace into your life. Peace that's come from the death of Jesus for you and the resurrection of Jesus for you. Peace that comes in the form of cleansing over your sin, over your guilt, and an end to playing the tapes of your past. Allow peace and love to flood over your soul so great that it causes you to be inspired with love for others. Allow the ghost to do his work. Let him come in, move, shape, talk, speak to you, call you, do what he's called you to do, and then you respond to him. Move from information to an experience with the ghost. Wow, what a powerful message that was this morning as we learned more about our series, and I know a ghost, that it's not just knowing about a ghost, but experiencing him personally. Those areas in our lives that felt like they were dead, the spirit wants to breathe life into. We had a great morning this morning. Hope to see you again next week at 1030. Please subscribe to our channel, and we look forward to seeing you next week.